confused India against Senkets, the Macau test. Robin's comical affair in front of the goal, the I-League's immediate future. Asklanen is a Kolkatan and BFC gets in Latin touch. Well, we've got all this and more on this episode. Hello guys, welcome to Injury Time. This is your host Naveen and joining me today are Sandeep. Hello. And guy from Delhi, Mihir. Hi guys, what's up? Good, Mihir, how's Delhi? Pretty good here, it's pretty good here. How, how are things in Bangalore? Things going pretty Green well in Bangalore. Yeah. Uh, the under-17 team is here, they're preparing for the much-awaited World Cup. So, uh, before we get on to that, let's uh, sh- shed some light on the senior team. They're bound to play Macau in the AFC Asian Cup qualifier on Tuesday, the 5th of September. But before that, they had a friendly match, a Tri-Nation, the second game of the Tri-Nation against St. Kitts and Nevis. I hope both, uh, both you guys got that match. Sandeep? Yeah, I got the first half properly, not so much in the second half, but and yeah, saw it. Yeah, what do you make of it? Once again, a gold out game back to draw the match this time now. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it didn't go down. Yeah. Jackie Chan scored the first goal oh, okay. and uh, they conceded in the second half. Again, it didn't start particularly well. Uh, there was an offside call from for JJ which was maybe too tight. Balwan was offside, maybe that colored uh, the referee's decision. Otherwise, a pretty straightforward match. India, again, like you spoke last week, and I'm sure Mihir agrees with me that they need to start better. They always start very slow. Mihir, your thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, I think I agree with Sandeep there. I mean, we've, we've been starting very slowly uh, in almost all matches we've played, uh, even though we've not lost in what, 10, 12 matches now, 13 matches, I guess. Uh, that is an issue, but what, one of the issues that really struck me in the St. Kitts game was the lack of fitness, I guess. Towards the end, our players were not really able to uh, you know, run hard, chase the ball over for tackles. They almost gave up and they were happy with the draw, it seemed. Uh, but also, I guess, in a way, it, it was the true reflection of our rankings. I mean, we are around 120s and 130s and we we belong to that level. So, so that whole bubble of us being in the top 100 uh, kind of has eased out by these two matches, I guess. Uh, still, I think, uh, yeah, uh, there, were, there were a few things. I mean, I like the way Roland played uh, both the matches. I think uh, he can be that that strong, uh, that very hassling figure in the midfield that we've lacked uh, in, in, in the last few years. I guess that's one big positive that comes out of St. Kitts match. Uh, also, I guess it's, it's it might be comforting for the team that they're playing Macau next. So, uh, they can kind of forget this performance and, and look forward to Macau, which should be relatively easier for them. But again, uh, but again, one thing that I guess, I guess uh, Sandeep and Naveen, both of you, uh, is, is the fact that we have been very poor travelers. Uh, India lost to Guam even though the ranking disparity was huge. So, uh, do you think they'll take the Macau match lightly or take it for granted? It should be a big risk if they do that. From my perspective, I think they shouldn't be taking it lightly because, like me just pointed out, it's an away game and things could could get tricky when you're traveling and you're not in your own home, playing in your own conditions. But uh, if you're to go by what Constantine had to say when he announced the squad. I don't think the team is looking at this game as a pushover. Looking at Macau as a pushover, they know the challenge would be really hard because you're you're playing away, and a win here could more or less seal their place in the Asian Cup for 2019. So I think that is also on the mind of the team. And I think if that's the way you approach a match, if that's the way you approach a match against Macau, I think that's a good way to go about it, isn't it, Sandeep? 
Yeah, when it's also like Meher said, the complacency can set in because they played two matches, conceded five goals, scored no goals, the bottom of the group. So uh, they are probably the least strong team in that group. And uh, we have seen India go to bigger teams and perform well. Like Oman game, they played well, they lost, but they played well. But at the same time, so there are other games like uh, are traveling, like Meher said again, in against Guam, they should have won. And they played extremely well when they played the home leg. They just took them extremely lightly, so there is a chance of complacency, but hopefully that doesn't happen. But uh, this uh, match against Sankit Salams, you didn't have the whole team playing, you didn't have the BFC fellows, they were busy with the, their AFC co- uh, commitments. With these guys coming in, the likes of Udanta, Chetri and Gurpreet in the goal coming in, do you, how, how much of a boost is it for a team? I know big names coming in, big players coming in, Sandeep. So uh, a massive difference? Yeah, obviously, in Chetri... Um, India with Chetri is hugely different from India without Chetri. But uh, like you said, the others are also good. I think the strongest will be Gurpreet because the Senkitis goal that they conceded. Subrata in the last game punched a lot of balls very waywardly. Just before they conceded from the corner, he tried to do something. I don't know what he tried to do. He didn't really try to tip it over the bar, but he did. And he could have collected the ball. Yeah, he could have collected the ball, but he didn't. if there was no one at the back post and they conceded they don't win second balls, all these kind of things are there. But having Gurpreet there, who is someone experienced and you know played in Europe and that kind of stuff, so he should be a really big boost. Uh, me, do you agree to this? Uh, totally uh, different side when you have these guys coming in. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, the communication between Sobrata and the two central defenders and Sandesh also looked a bit iffy to me. It wasn't really that assured. Uh, even though Sandesh and Anas haven't been defi- uh, I mean, they haven't been defending together for many matches, but they looked solid when Gurpreet was behind them. Uh, that communication seemed to be missing with Subrata uh, under the bar, and, and I'm not really too convinced that he's the number two goalkeeper in the country right now. I mean, it should have been either Albino or Amrinder or whoever, but not Subrata after, after Gurpreet. But that's a separate separate debate altogether. Uh, my point is that if if India are uh, aspiring to be Asian Cup. If they want to prove that they belong to the ranking that they are at right now, then matches like St. Kitts and Macau and all shouldn't be really bothering them so much. You have to play more assertively, even though you, you don't have Chetri or Gurpreet or Udanta. It, it shouldn't be making much of a difference. Uh, I mean, both matches. And, and, and let's not forget that St. Kitts, like, we talk about away matches and the hostile conditions and the traveling and all. St. Kitts traveled for 24 hours, more than 24 hours. And uh, they were playing in extremely heavy rains, which they are not used to at this time of the year, at least. So all these factors, when you keep in mind, I I think that like Stephen Thompson has said yesterday, it's a wake-up call. But I think he put it very mildly there. I mean, I don't think uh, it was a performance that India really can be proud of the way they've been playing the last one year. It shouldn't matter the Macau game, but. Uh this uh, whole fixture, not only the Macau game, the whole of AFC Cup qualifying, how do you see India fare? Like two wins of two games now, the Macau next one. Has it been satisfactory? One win, one draw. Oh, qualifiers, yeah. So. Yeah, so so the, the biggest difference uh, for me, I think, has been that uh, even when the team hasn't been playing well, they have managed to win matches, which earlier wasn't happening. Uh, you know, I mean, earlier the team considered both days to just go flat and there wasn't that really big fighting spirit and they used to concede in matches like that. Uh, in the last one, one and a half year, I think that has started to change and uh, uh, the team has been getting results of the match where they seem to not be really playing well. 
which is a good sign and we are talking about teams ranked between you know 110 to 140 uh, so again the fact that they have not lost to any of the teams in, in the last one year shows that there is some improvement and, and i agree that the team is heading in the right direction just that it needs it needs a uh, I mean, it needs to raise its bar now because the next target is the Asian Cup. Absolutely. Uh, this about India, but what about their opponents for the next game? Macau. They have not had a really good run in this qualifying campaign. How do you see them fare fare against a dominant India, if I can put it that way? Um, I think uh, for Macau, it might be one of those things where where you know the only way they can motivate themselves is that if they even manage to get draw, they get into global headlines just like Guam did. Like uh, that is that is one big motivating factor for them. But uh, I don't think they have won a single match so far in the qualifying year. I'm not too sure of the fact, but I guess they haven't won. Uh, and they they don't really seem to have players who have experience of of playing uh, these kind of matches. Uh, even though India India aren't experienced in that sense, but at least they have played at big stage. They have that big match experience either by league or by whatever. So. uh for macau it's it's just a case of you know getting the most out of the very little chances that they have and india also has constantly now has coming like kind of figured out who his starting eleven is his back line is set uh his midfield is set and I, like i have told before i think rowling gorges is the best midfielder in india right now because he can do the job at both ends he's the one who delivers the cross for the goal for jackie chan so he's so he's found this main core team he is just trying to add on to it like you have india uh, now has a 23 5 players german preet singh all these guys are coming in uh, mandir i don't think is mandir has not made it to the yeah team. i think he is also he is also a good uh, young player to the coming up so now constantine has no excuses he is not you know giving 23 players a debut anymore mm-hmm. he has got a team he has got a job to do and he is doing it to be he's delivering he is delivering it to you Uh, pretty satisfied with uh, Constantine's tenor so far, Mihir. Oh uh, yeah, I mean you can't complain. I mean, if, if, I mean we all uh, know that uh, under Wim Hoffman, the team had completely lost its its uh, shape. It was completely haywire. We didn't have any players. In that sense, Constantine did a very good job in rebuilding the first year. Uh, like like some researchers giving debuts to players, bringing the average age of the squad down. Uh, and it was too much to expect. For from the team to do well in the World Cup qualifiers, uh, the target was the Asian Cup, which ultimately they are reaching, even though not the desired part. Uh, but like Sandeep said, now it's the time to consolidate all the good work. I mean, it shouldn't just be that a coach is trying to give as many debuts just to just to look good on his CV. It shouldn't be the case now. Uh, it's time he gets his uh, playing eleven set. It's time India start dominating more on the field, playing more assertively, and and show that. they can at least be a competitive side in the 2019 Asian Cup unlike in 2011 where the team was completely flat and and let's not forget i guess uh, when bob hawton was there in 2011 uh, he didn't have many players to work around with he just had a bunch of 30 35 players to choose from and constantine has already given a debut to 39 players apparently and and he's claiming that way then he should have a larger pool of players and he should do a better job of of uh, selecting the team and getting the results then absolutely that about the national team but now coming down to the domestic circuit in india the indian super league and the i league first let's get into the lower rung that will be this year the coming season the i league one of the teams tsk shivajians from pune have pulled out of the i league a bleak future for i league the immediate future mir 
seems very confusing isn't it yeah it is i mean uh, i mean dsk pulling out comes as a as a youth set by the time when they have floated tenders and uh, they couldn't get you know enough teams to with with credibility to be a part of i league so uh if if i was the i league chair i would be extremely worried because uh, isl looks to steam roll over i league uh, i don't think many people will care about i league once the two leagues uh, will play simultaneously especially with the signings they made what do you guys think i mean isl have made decent signings this time yeah they've made some really good signings <coughs> at least eye catching signings at that so uh, and also they'll be pushing all the best indian players are also in the i league except for maybe I a handful Sorry, in the ISL, except for a handful in the I League. Uh, so I think Mihir is absolutely right. Uh, the I boss will go to the top product. Okay, top product in quotes because I League is still the first uh, league technically. But yeah. Wait, wait for the drones to get behind you on Twitter. <laughs> <now>. <laughs> absolutely, that about the I League and DSK Shivajians. But what about ISL and signings like? But if you just one thing, DSK Shivajians, they are such a important side in producing players because Pune. Pune also was a hub of football in terms of producing good players. Uh, Mihir, what do you think the damage that this Pune FC has pulled out, and now uh, the DSK is going? So the damage. My my thing about DSK pulling out really is that AFF have really uh, set DSK at a very high pedestal in terms of the facilities they have, in terms of the players they have produced, uh, and they kind of fell back on DSK on many levels. From youth development to and and Stephen as well has has appreciated DSK's facilities a lot. Uh, so for someone with that kind of commitment to Indian football, pulling out of I League is a big statement. Uh, I think uh, that should really jolt AIFF. But if it doesn't, then I don't think we all will be surprised because AIFF should have been woken up from this somewhere long time back. Well, that could be uh, the negative side of it. But Sunil uh, mentioned a bit about the academy in Pune. I think that has been to- taken over by the ISL team, FC Pune City. So. I yeah, yeah. I do not really see a problem there because players will also get an opportunity if they are good enough to be a part of that ISL franchise. If not, the I League teams who have now pulled out. Well, that about the I League teams. What about what about the ISL signings? Askelainen moving to Kolkata, yeah. Miku coming to Bengaluru FC. Interesting one, isn't it? Yeah, Askelainen is a very interesting signing because he's a goalkeeper, and uh, Askelainen is brought in for a lot of money. Anyway, more money than any of the Indian players would have been brought in for, and goalkeeping position is something that does not rotate very often. So, how much of a chance is any Indian player going to get, like Dejit Mujumdar, going to get as a first choice keeper? It's a question. Maybe in the long run, it doesn't really matter. Or only if you're looking at it from from a point of view that an Indian player should be the first choice, then it's an issue. But like, if it's an out outfield player, you have a foreign right back and an Indian right back. The Indian guy is going to play at some point. Because there are enough matches. Goalkeeper is a difficult position to rotate. But again, uh, good signing for Atletico. They for the title rush. Uh, do you think this could make the road much more difficult for Deepjit Mujumdar to stake his claim? He's already not on the right right books of Constantine, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, you pity the guy because he did really well in the I League and everyone thought he'll get a chance in the national team, which he didn't. Uh, then you thought that okay, finally he might do something in the IS. and get that way in but uh, it seems that it won't work out either but uh, i i really doubt how much uh, they are relying on uh, yaslanen to be a part i mean about he's 42 i guess uh, so so for a 42 year old to play all the matches of isl i don't think i i'm not too sure how actually isl is still looking at it i mean if you if you're saying that you want to be taken taken seriously 
and then you get a 42 year old goalkeeper for for if sandeep says it's it's an amount paid much more than what you're paying to the indians then i don't know what where their priorities lie to be honest uh, you could have done a better job signing i mean uh, there are catchy names but then again most of them are on the late or on the wrong side of 40s and this one is in his early 40s so if i was dejit then then i would really you know try to make the 42 year old look like an uncle playing on a sunday league rather than uh, you know be intimidated by him and be the second choice mehir what do you make of the signings like uh, babata or robikin were all great players and robikin played mls till last season but how much do you think they'll make an impact considering the difference in weather the travel that they're going to do here and all this but travel would be comparatively easier this time right i mean earlier the issue used to be that you used to play a match rest travel play a match rest travel now it's spaced out through the week so i think that bit should be taken care of but um, i think if isl's objective is to get eyeballs get attention to indian football they're doing a very good job with it uh, because west brown bobatov uh, uh, uh robbie keane teddy sheringham randall steen all these guys are the ones who who generate a lot of reputation good reputation of god and them coming to india adds a certain bit of credibility to it uh but again like we've seen with uh, del piero we've seen with roberto carlos we've seen with uh, anelka like two big names really perform on field they it's, it's it's not been the case so i don't see how different this will be so i mean if you're a quote unquote fan then you certainly hope it it should uh, be a better better choice this time well that about the big names the eye catching names in in the isl but what about a guy from spain miku that bengaluru fc signed is just 31 years of age will most likely be starting for bengaluru fc up front sandeep quite interesting seeing from bengaluru fc's perspective Yeah, he's the second striker they've signed. Uh, Venezuelan international, full international. He's played in Asia as well, played across Europe, top leagues, rival countries. But he came to India during that Venezuela-Argentina match. Yeah, so he is. It's interesting because although he is on the wrong side of 30, he is still young, relatively young, and he is probably at a level where he can perform up at a very high level in India. So, at, like Mihir says, there are a lot of eyeball-catching signings that has happened, and BSC is not one of those teams who have done that. they have gone about their business by signing the players that they want to fill the certain roles they are all played at certain level high levels top divisions in some countries but like no not even miku you wouldn't know his name like when it first came out unless you read his bio you wouldn't really know his name so i think those kind of signings are very important uh, like uh, like how a league has done changed from those david villa alexander del piero to 28 year old midfielders from galatasaray and all So you get players at the top level, playing at the peak of their career, come there. He's not a big name, but he's still going to improve the level of football. So absolutely, that's that's a good signing. Well, think. he just mentioned about A League. Uh, that reminded me of Australian national team. They were in action. The FIFA World Cup qualifiers. Meer, they came into Asia hoping for a direct slot into the World Cup. Things don't look that merry for them, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the loss certainly has complicated matters for them, hasn't it? Uh, and this especially comes at a time when the Gulf bloc apparently is trying to push them out of the AFC now. Uh, I guess Australia will happily move out if they don't manage to qualify this time. So I guess that controversy will be taken up automatically. But uh, I guess, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly goes to show that, uh, you know, 
how uh, countries like other countries are developing as well. I mean, it's not uh, as easy as it used to be for Korea, Japan, and Australia uh, till the last qualifying campaign. I mean, Iran certainly are head and shoulders above most Asian teams right now. Once again, they've shown that. But Japan, uh, they had a wonderful result. I mean, uh, talk about performing it under pressure. It's it's amazing. But I think I think the most uh, catchy result of of this week. Uh, was in the second group uh, with with Syria, Uzbekistan, China. Uh, everyone still having a shot. What do you guys think of that group now? Well, it caught me by surprise. A three-one win over a team like Qatar. You, since Qatar being a big nation, being a wealthy nation, you expect their team to do well with the kind of names they get in their Qatar Super Star League down there. You expect the level of football to go up. But when when you see when you see the national team perform, none of that mattered. You saw a Syria team that is a country that has been devastated by civil war for quite a long period now, but the national team is was barely affected. Came out all guns blazing, a 3-1 win. Same goes to say, same goes uh, goes with UAE. Uh, UAE also having a difficult run during this qualifying ca- campaign. But up, if you keep these uh, West Asian countries aside, teams like Thailand have really performed well. The whole fact that they have made it to this, uh, the final stage of qualifying uh, in Asia itself says that the level of football has gone up there. Isn't it yeah, 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 and then, and that's the model that India should be following. I mean, you don't look at, you know, big nations, and you don't try to copy straight away what's been happening in football nations. I mean, you look at countries like, <coughs> sorry, look at countries like Thailand and Syria, and and you just know that it's not about spending money blindly on on football. You need to do things smartly. You think you need to you need to do the boring things the right way. And and that's the easiest way to climb the ladder, even though it's it's boring and hard. And also, yeah, like Mahesh says, uh, India predominantly they're trying a top-down approach, kind of like you get a top league and then it will trickle down. But that will take longer, or maybe might not happen because we have a uh, hundred different things that can go wrong. If you look at Syria, their clubs club uh, culture is still very good. Their teams are still doing well in Asia. Absolutely. UAE is the same. So you need to have a strong club culture first, with proper help for everyone to come come up the ranks and all those kind of things. And like the boring things to be done correctly, like he so eloquently put it. That's exactly what uh, India needs to do. Well, guys, and you obviously you have examples of all the teams that you mentioned. Right, absolutely. Well, two teams have qualified from Asia: Japan and Iran. Two more direct slots available. Who do you think will make the cut? Uh, I hope Uzbekistan do. Uh, they've always tend to they always tend to screw up at the wrong time. Uh, so, but but this time I hope that they manage to do that. I mean, I, they've been the team that that I've I've been hoping do well since the 2011 Asian Cup. Uh, but somehow they've they've not. Uh, but I I don't see any problem for Australia, even though they might look slightly iffy there. But I think Australia should make through there as well. What, what, about, what about Korea? I I want South Korea as my favorite Asian team. So so <laughs> the thing is that it, it really doesn't matter if you are an Asian team, right? You're still going to go out Absolutely. in the group stage or at the pre-quarters. So you might as well be Uzbekistan and go out rather than South Korea. Well, it's turning out of an interesting affair in the AFC, uh, the FIFA World Cup qual- uh, qualifying. One more round of matches to go, which will which is due in October. When we'll get get you more about that as and when the matches happen, guys. I think that's all I have on the rundown. Anything more to add, Sandeep? The women's team. Yeah, they've jumped nice. to 56. Yeah, it's a good. Extremely good, mm-hmm. and at a very good time also when one of the greatest players got the Arjuna Award. So I think it's it's a nice uh, touch to that. Yeah. 
No, is it? I mean, I think it's a very feel-good thing. Yeah. Uh, 56 women's women's ranking is quite misplaced, and uh, we should take into account many things. Uh, if I mean, uh, yeah, women's team can do well. Uh, they 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 certainly can do well, but uh, I don't think we should get really excited with the 56 uh, ranking, and especially when when people say that, oh, look at the men's team, we spend so much on them, and they are ranked 100. And look at the women's team; they are ignored and still ranked fiftieth. I mean, that's a completely misplaced uh, argument. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Good luck to the women's team, but they still aren't fifty-six. Well, I was simply trying to earn some brownie points there. Oh no, I just thought it was a nice thing, like the Arjuna Award and this. I think oh, okay. came on the same day. Yeah, that's, really true. Nice thing, no, that's true. That's true. That's true. Worked out well for them. Yeah, I actually yeah, don't I mean, know how many teams are playing in the women's uh, national team ranking. How how far it goes? So I'm not really sure where they placed. No, but certainly the the thing you said about Arjuna Award, I think that's that's brilliant. That for Bim Bim to win an Arjuna Award, for for a woman footballer to be recognised at that level, I think it's incredible. Uh, because uh, I mean, we all know that she's been the face of Indian football for as long as we know, and it's it's great that she's recognised. I think it should it should motivate others. Uh, I mean, that's the the best possible news for women's uh, football team, I guess, from this week and a long time, long long time, I guess. Well, so guys, I think that's all we have in this episode of Injury Time. Meher, thanks a lot for joining us from Delhi. Thank you, Navin and Sandeep. It was great. Yeah, and Sandeep, thanks a lot for Be, joining us. Be with you guys. Sandeep, Sandeep, thank you. Thank you, and thanks to Meher for joining us. Well, guys, that's all thank we you. have, and we'll get you more on the Macau game next week when India take on their Asian counterparts in the AFC Asian Cup qualifiers. More on that on the next episode. Until then, have a good time and enjoy the game. Oh, 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 oh,